Hello and welcome to another episode of the Star Bros Podcast. I'm joined by my co-host, Jan Solo. And I'm here with my bro host, Ben Skywalker. Oh, I forgot that this time. <laughs> my bad. I'll remember that next time. How are you doing, bro? I'm doing great, man. This is our uh, seventh episode, our touchdown episode. I didn't think of it. No, it's our extra point episode. You're right. It's the point after. I don't know football. <laughs> I'm actually really bad at football now because I haven't really watched it except for the Super Bowl in like two or three years. I've been really bad because hockey's like my main sport. Hockey's you your know? sport. I don't have time for football anymore. I'm so sorry. That's all right, dude. Not really. Hey, you know what? I I, I heard that today is uh, International Podcast Day. Whoa, really? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is so ironic that we're doing this. By the way, the date is September 30th that we're recording this. Mm-hmm. I know we release it a few days later once I get the chance to edit it and all that. But so September 30th, International Podcast Day. Yeah. That's yeah. a special day. Yeah, it's it's our first uh, International Podcast Day as podcasters. And we're seven episodes in now. So I feel like we're getting in a bit of a groove. It's pretty I cool. think so. I'd love to know what our fans think. So if you have any other thoughts for us, we're, we're getting some positive reviews, which is what I like to see, but always want to hear what we can do better. So send us a email at the star bros podcast at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter, direct message us. We're at this. Uh, actually, you know that better. The we're, handle. we're at star bros podcast at star bros podcast. Why can't I remember? Twitter's that? a weird place, man. It, oh my gosh. I've been spending too much time on there lately and I just go, I need to take a, a break. Look, for the most part, super cool people talking Star Wars, but every once in a while, it gets really weird, and I just have to put my phone away for a bit. Yeah. But you've been doing really good at keeping up on that, giving some content. We had a tweet this week, which I want to give you credit for, where all you simply posted was about Enfys Ness and how we could use some more content. And the Cloud Riders, yeah. Right? And... I mean, it got a ton of views. It got like 12,000 impressions and, and a thousand uh, clicks or interactions or something like that. It was it was pretty exciting to see that. And and a couple people said, no, no, we don't need any more Emphasis Nest. And that's fine. Yeah. Um, they were they were respectful about it. But uh, I think the overwhelming message that we got was that uh, in Solo, there's a ton of really cool stuff going on that we just get a taste of and we'd like to, to see more of. And I think, I think Twitter is kind of a cool place for that where people can from across the world kind of dive into a topic like that together and just kind of geek out about their favorite side characters or whatever. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. And it was really cool to see the interaction from all these different fans. I'm like, oh man, I can't wait to see some more of that. So for all those that interacted and found us through that tweet, that's awesome. Uh, Thank you for following us and thank you for finding us. And hopefully you enjoy uh, being along with us on this ride and journey to you know, learn as much as we can about this universe. I'm, so I'm, I'm laughing because you know that we we had a couple of tweets that were kind of, I don't know, hits. I guess I don't know what the word is, but they you know they they were our breakthrough tweets. I guess you would say. But yeah. Then this morning, like I really, th- I, I really thoughtfully, like it's like six o'clock in the morning, and I'm thinking, like, what do I tweet today about Star Wars? <laughs> and um, because that's how I start my day. And uh, I'm I'm thinking about Ewoks as I often do as soon as I wake up and my eyes open. Ewoks. I think about Ewoks. And uh, I, you know, I posted what I thought was like a really kind of thoughtful tweet about Ewoks. And, you know, a lot of people call them primitive, but are they primitive? Because if you think about it, like they have uh, a pretty complex social structure. And by the way, I can, I can see people rolling their eyes already because <laughs> <laughs> this tweet bombed. Nobody cared. People were like, Move on from the little bears, dude. Like, nobody cares. Uh, you're going to get that a lot, though. And that's what every Star Wars fan is going to have that thing that they just love. For you, it's the Ewoks. And there's those that are like, you know what? Leave the bears to the side. I, yep. I, I don't want those. 
But, but you know what? Like I, so my wife and I, my beautiful wife, Jess and I, uh, we're really into comedy. We, we, one of the things that we used to do before the pandemic was we'd go see comedy shows all the time. And every once in a while, um, I've seen a few comedians do this where they, they make some really obscure reference and they get a laugh from the back of the room, like <laughs> somebody in the back of the room and, and th- they just sort of like, they lock eyes and they're like, that guy gets it. The comedian gets it. And I think Twitter can kind of help do that. Like maybe Twitter will help connect me with like the three other people in the world that think that Ewoks are cool. Dude, I like Ewoks. <laughs> I just don't think I'm on the same level as you in terms no, of them. It's okay. It's it's a, it yeah. That's all I'll say. <laughs> um, so anyway, but I know I, that you that they're like your spirit animal, man. Like you would go and live in the redwoods, like you. Yeah, I would move to Bright Tree Village where <laughs> the um the trees are inflammable, and and worship um, gold gods. Right. Yeah. And I'd go to see their medicine man when I wasn't feeling well and, and all that stuff. So yeah, yeah, my tweet was all about like, look, they've got basic architecture figured out. They've got a complex social structure. They have political leaders. They have religious leaders. Like how primitive are they really? But back to my whole point of the story, nobody cared about that tweet. No, but yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but still, we're we're excited that some of them are being picked up and some of them are not. That's okay. But yeah, we're, we're at Star Bros Podcast. Hit us up. Um, we love connecting with you guys. It's a long way to remind people how to find us on Twitter. Right. Um, well, and speaking of, of golden gods, uh, let's get into this episode a little bit. So we decided that we wanted to talk about droids a little bit more. Oh, man. And C-3PO will be one of those that we discuss. Uh, what is this episode called? Uh, you tell me. It's called... Those were the droids we were looking for. Uh, and a little a bit title. of context for why I thought that was a fun name to go with. Because my sister-in-law got me a Christmas present once. It was a Star Wars shirt. Mm-hmm. And it was just a picture of a stormtrooper at the chalkboard writing lines of those were the droids we were looking for. Nice. <laughs> um, got a good laugh out of that one. And I was going to wear it here today. I had it on my bed. But like typical man I, it was in a ball on my bed not folded neatly and nicely and typical man typical i know my wife must have picked it up and threw it in the laundry basket and i couldn't find it so i went all right guess i can't wear that one during this episode so. that's right and but when you texted me the the title which a lot of times ahead of ahead of time ahead of the episode ben will start doing some brainstorming and he'll send me some ideas and inevitably he's got something in there that's that's pure gold you you wanted to uh, make it you grammatically act like correct. I'm at the start of my comedy career, and I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> but you wanted to make it grammatically correct. What was the grammatically correct version of it? Oh, what did I say? Those uh, these these were not the droids for whom you were looking. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, oh, I'll, you know what? Let's just stay away from that one because I am no English major, and someone's going to correct me and say mm, you used whom wrong. Yeah. I just can't do yeah, that. Yeah, they would find us. They would send us uh, strongly worded emails. Or tweets. Or tweets, yeah. Which we know there's a lot of strongly worded tweets out there. There sure are. So those were the droids we were looking for is the name of our show today. Uh, we're basically just going to explore droids, and it's going to be all over the place. It's not going to be like our last one where we kind of picked our favorite characters and went through them, but we will discuss some of our favorites at a higher level, but just more broadly droids and you know, just how cool they are to be there living amongst all the other humans and alien races there and just how integrated they are in life. It just fascinates me. So it's a very important part of Star Wars. So excited to do that. But let's get to our first segment first, the news. And we've got some, not breaking news, we broke it about a week and a half ago, two weeks ago or so on our Twitter page. Um, but we've got a new partnership 
with the people we talked about in our last episode. Yeah. The, the bros at Broaxium. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about that, man. So the Broaxium guys are also a, a Philly-based crew of Star Wars fans. Not all of them are in Philly, but um, Philly is sort of the home base for the Broaxium group of guys and girls. And uh, essentially, we found them because we were fans, which is a really cool kind of organic way to connect with these guys. I think we've mentioned on a previous episode that one of the places where Ben and I are not, I, I guess, particularly well-educated in, in terms of Star Wars content is the, the the whole world of comic books that's out there. And these days, the comics are back in really good hands with the uh, with with Marvel, and they're churning out some really cool stuff. So what we started doing was watching every Wednesday, Broaxium, and you can find them at Broaxium on Twitter. Uh, they post a an, an update on what comic books, what Star Wars comic books came out that week. They give you a little bit of a rundown about where the story's headed, and they sort of react and, and, and give you a little bit of color commentary, which is always really well done. Their videos on YouTube, so that there's a Braxium channel on YouTube, um, are really well put together. The sound is great. The visuals are great. So we were just sort of attracted to that. Like we kind of, like I personally got reeled in following... Um, especially like their updates on the Darth Vader comic, which seems really, really cool. Yeah. Like we're, we're going to go to um, Atomic City on South Street in Philadelphia sooner or later and pick up a bunch of Star Wars comics. But And then we're going to go to Jim's and get a, a cheesecake. That sounds great. Right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, and, and by the way, as a quick aside, uh, we <laughs> if you're not from the Philadelphia area, you may not be familiar with the word John. <laughs> by the way, you just taught me what John is. Yeah. What? Uh, two days ago? Uh-huh. <laughs> So um, we, we got into a big conversation with the Broaxium guys this week about the word John, but we can come back to that at some point, but it is a quintessential Philadelphia word and something just in, in my heart um, lit up when we were in this group text with the Broaxium guys and we started throwing Johns around. But anyway, <laughs> so we found these guys because we were fans of their content. They are putting out really cool Star Wars content. Flash forward a few weeks, we've built a little bit of like a fan relationship with them through Twitter. And next thing you know, here we are. We are now officially part of the Broaxium family. Yep. We, we are bros in the family with those guys who refer, this, refer to themselves as bro hosts too. Um, and what does that mean for, for our listeners? Uh, I think ultimately it means that, Hey, we are now in a partnership with a bunch of other really talented, smart, cool Star Wars fans, and we're probably going to have a crossover opportunity where some of those really smart, cool, talented folks will come on the podcast now and then. Um, and, and maybe we'll find our way into the comic book universe that we're just starting to sort of dip our toe in. Um, I think the crossover opportunities are endless. We're trying to figure that out right now, but... Well, and I think it'll be really cool because of the fact that they have deep background in the comics mm -hmm. and we're novices there where we can come in with a brand new perspective, ask them some questions as more experts on this and more knowledgeable about it. And so you get to hear the the dual sides of the duel of the fates. Uh, you get to hear the dual uh, perspectives of someone who's just kind of figuring it out for the first time and somebody who knows it. So uh, we'll, we'll, I think, explore that as a segment uh, in future episodes. Uh, you know, you'll probably see that us uh, on their, their content every once in a while, but we're just really excited to work with these guys, get to know them better and, 
and just be part of the family, like you said. We've always said from the beginning that, um, you know, for me, one of the things that I'm most excited about with this podcast is just connecting with other fans and just sort of expanding our community of Star Wars friends. And um, I I feel like this is a a big step in that direction. Um, And other other bros from the city of brotherly love. Right. It doesn't get much better than that. No, you can't. But yeah, and and one of the things I've been really impressed with so far is the depth of their knowledge and just, um, I mean, how like how helpful they've been. Yeah. So you and I have been throwing around this idea about, you know, the holidays are right around the corner. And one of the holidays that I've never celebrated before, but I think I'm going to start to this year is Wookiee Life Day. Yeah. November 17th. And so you and I were talking about maybe doing like a Wookiee Life Day episode. Yeah. And so we reached out to the Baraxium guys. And I think I basically said, look, I need to educate myself better on Wookiees. Like, I, I feel like I've got a grasp, but if if we're going to, if we're really going to talk about this, like I, I need to get in there and really learn more. And um, Chris Ryans, who I, I think is at Chris Ryans on Twitter, was basically like, okay, I've got three things for you. When, when can you come come and pick these things up? Yeah. <laughs> and I was and like, dude, that's amazing. Dude, do you remember the list that he sent us? Yes. He's like, here, let me, let me show you the four screenshots of my list of content that I put together that I need to listen to. And it's stuff from YouTube. It's MP3s. Yeah. It's interviews that were done. It's just all this. And I think it got to B in the four. <laughs> like, it was alphabetically <laughs> arranged. And it got to B. And, and like, this was four streams. How big is this? Yeah. It's like 300 hours long. Like, he's got stuff to keep going and learning. And that just shows you how much there is to continue learning about this universe. Yeah, so that's totally. exciting. And basically, basically we, we have found more of our people. Yeah. Which is, is, is just always a really good feeling. One of us. Yeah, exactly. Sorry that I just did that. Okay. <laughs> so again, um, we are now proud to be part of the Broaxium family. Please follow them at Broaxium on Twitter. Um, also, uh, their, their YouTube channel is dynamite. Uh, so you got to check that out. They have new content very, very, very regularly. Um, so they have Broaxium on YouTube. And and hopefully very soon you'll see some some cool crossover stuff. But at the very least, you'll see the, uh, the fruits of the partnership paying off as Chris and the other bros sort of educate us on certain things. And, you know, maybe we can pay that forward too. But um, it's, I'm, it's I'm Chris, really it's Dan, and it's Tommy. Right? And, and V. And V. Yep. Yep. The, and and the Tommy's other. out on the West Coast. Yeah, um, which is really cool. So it's coast to coast bro axiom is the way I think about it. Yeah, <laughs> awesome guys. You'll see some stuff from them there's on our our uh, Twitter and 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 uh, you know vice versa. Mm-hmm. So lots of good stuff to come from that. So that that's our most exciting news, which is good because there was not that much in the past. It's two all downhill weeks. from there. <laughs> it's like <laughs> what happened in Star Wars? Nothing the past two weeks. Not even a drop in the water. Because well, okay. There was one little drop, right? I think there was the Clone Wars Funko Pops were announced. Mm-hmm. Um, and those those look good. Like there's two Ahsoka Pops in there. There's a Darth Maul. So there's some things, uh, Bo-Katan, right? So looks like something I'll, I'll get excited about. Any that you'll you'll buy, you think? Yeah, I think I think uh, any Ahsoka stuff is cool. Yeah, um, of course. But, but you and I were talking about how uh, the fact that there is merchandise, uh, Clone Wars merchandise, sort of prequels era merchandise out there now is a good reminder that we, we haven't given that period of uh, Star Wars content enough love just yet. So, no, we haven't. Uh, In fact, right now we've got uh, Return of the, uh, Revenge of the Sith. Revenge of the Sith, in yeah. In the background. So yeah. we're trying to give it a little bit of love. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to try not to be distracted by it because it's such an awesome movie. But. So good. We'll talk about that in another episode. Yep. So that was maybe the drop of news. Uh, what else did you come across this week? You know, one thing I'm, I'm really excited about is uh, Disney Plus 
uh, announced a feature called Group Watch. Yeah. And and Group Watch is if if you haven't heard about it just yet, essentially it's this function where if you have the app or if you're looking at it on your computer, you can invite up to six friends to watch the same content as you. So I I could uh, be watching The Mandalorian or The Clone Wars on my Disney Plus app. I could invite Ben. We are then simultaneously watching the same thing, but we can interact. So we can have a running chat board. Um, we, we can we can interact in, in ways that it sort of reminds me of like video game streaming. Like I, I'm, I'm a big Twitch fan. When Squadrons comes out, which I think we'll be talking about in a second, mm-hmm. um, I probably won't buy it right away, but I'll probably watch it on Twitch right away just to kind of get a feel for what's the gameplay like, what are people saying about it. And there's something fun about being in a chat room and uh, interacting with the people around you, but all sort of focused on the same thing. Uh, this this is something that's sort of been tested out with other uh, media, I guess. So Thursday Night Football is now uh, streamed on Twitch. Um some historically i think last couple of years some some minor league basketball like summer league basketball has been streamed on twitch and it's cool to have that experience of being around other people even though they're not in the same room as you enjoying the same stuff which i think yeah in, in particular during during the i quarantine think quarantine period, has really fueled this to be yes. honest like people want to have that social connection again yeah and there's not really a easy way to get that so this at least helps to bridge that gap a little bit mm-hmm. and i think it's a fun way I thought about this as a fun way to interact with fans and interact with other people who follow us and, and just say, Hey, we're going to do a watch party, you know? And now you can actually see that you're all watching it together. Talk about it, communicate through whatever channels that you got and, you know, have a good conversation. Yeah. So I'm excited to use it in that way, maybe with our friends of Broaxium and just try it out. So We'll experiment with that and get back to everybody on how that goes. Yeah, I, sure I think it sounds will. really cool. The, the one thing that I read that um, gave me pause a little bit, not to be too punny, is uh, <laughs> the fact that it sounds like when you invite other people into the room, it's not really your room in the sense that you can control everything. So like, you can have an invitee come in and just keep pausing the movie or yeah. something. Yeah. <laughs> Bath and break. <laughs> Why'd you go with the other guy was going? Come on, man. Just trolling and being a pain. Um, But I I think you're ultimately in control of the guest list. So nobody's going to get in who you haven't invited, but uh, some of your knucklehead friends might ruin your Revenge of the Sith watching party or something. We'll kick you out right away. You'll get the boot. Yeah. If if we can do that. Yeah. So that one's exciting. I'm excited about it. Yeah. Uh, But you mentioned Squadrons. So Squadron comes out on Friday. As you were just mentioning, I'm not one to jump in line at the beginning. Like the Avengers game came out. I do want to play that at some point. haven't bought it yet. I'll buy it at some point. Uh, I just want to wait for it to come down in price, see if it's really worth it. Let them fit. Because you remember when Battlefront 2 came out? Like I just got a PS4 Mm -hmm. during quarantine, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe maybe five months ago. So I'm catching back up on a lot of games. I've got Fallen Order that I'm going to start playing. But they're new to you. What's that? They're new to you. They're new. Battlefront 2 was so exciting to jump into and, and play and, and be part of and do the story. We'll cover that at another point. But I remember when Battlefront 2 came out and all the animosity towards EA, remember? Because they yeah. did like the microtransactions, right? Mm-hmm. So I like to like let it shake out a little bit. Yeah. Wait to see what the first reactions are before I jump in. So we will cover that at some point. Like you said, maybe we'll just watch on Twitch and see what other people think. Right. But we'll we'll try to cover that at a later point and let everyone know what we think. Yeah. And and I feel like really quickly, look, it's it's gonna sell 
millions of copies really quickly. Yeah. There's going to be some really well-informed opinions on it, and we can pretty quickly digest those and bring those back and think about what we think about what people are saying and things like that. But yeah, I'm not going to jump on it right away. I'm going to let things shake out, like you said. I'm excited for the story. That's the biggest thing. Because yeah. with all of these I haven't games, heard anything about it. I haven't really heard anything, but apparently there's some surprises, and they're they're going to, as with most of the games, expand on what we already Ewok know. Ewok pilots, you think? Keep dreaming. <laughs> <laughs> now I don't mean to burst your bubble like that. I have no idea. Maybe maybe there will be some Ewok pilots. They got their first uh taste of driving an ATST and they just can't have enough. Right. Like they gotta now get they more. They take it. it to the skies. Look out, everybody. <laughs> Could you imagine just flying around in space all there's an Ewok right next to me. Where are you come from? Adorable. <laughs> He's too cute. Or they cut you off and, and you pull up next to them at a light to see who, who cut you off and you want to shake your fist at them. I can't be mad at you. You just see these fuzzy little ears above the <laughs> steering wheel. Just run that red light. I don't care. <laughs> All right. We got off. But squadrons, we'll uh, yeah. we'll talk about that one more. Um, anything else? I, I think that's it for the news. So like you said. Oh, yeah, I got personal news. Oh, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I got one piece of personal news. I finally finished Clone Wars. Nice. It's so exciting. Nice. Like we've talked about with some of our fans, like we've come into the universe of, of Clone Wars a little bit later. It came out, I think, when I was in college. So I actually didn't even have access to watch it. And over the years, I've just never had it. Yeah. What what was it on when it first came on? Oh, I don't know. Was it on Disney? Was it on? I don't know, actually. Yeah. I, I just it's It just struck me that I didn't actually know where it started. Huh. And and I, I think I had the wrong impression of what it was for and what it was intending to do. So I, I kind of said, all right, I'll, I'll get to that one day and just never got to it. And finally with Disney Plus, I'm like, now I can watch Clone Wars. Sweet. So I jumped into it and it was maybe a weekend or two ago. Uh, I finally got to season seven and I watched the first episode, went to bed. The next day I watched episode two while I think my wife took the kids out to, to the park and I was left with the baby and I started watching up suit. And by the time she came back from the park, I had finished the whole season. Wow. I was just riveted, engaged, could not put the remote down. And I had a lot of fun with my child too. <laughs> he was totally cool through it all, mm-hmm. through it all. And was kind of watching it with me on occasions, but it was fun. I loved that last season. And Cannot wait to watch it again. So we will cover Clone Wars at another point in time. Yeah, because I, I have to catch up. Yeah. Um, We're both doing the same thing of catching up finally. Yeah. And and that's one of the satisfying things about putting off um, a show for a bit or a series of books or whatever it might be. If you're a little bit of a late adopter, then you can binge it. You, you yeah. don't have to wait until hopefully the show gets renewed. Because if, if you followed Clone Wars along from the very beginning to the end of season seven, what is that? 12 years, 10, 12 years or something? I'm going to say 10. I can't remember. Good question. So a long period of time to see a story resolve itself. Yeah. Whereas me, being totally spoiled, I get Disney Plus and I'll, I'll be able to do all that in one year. So um, there are benefits to being a little bit late to the party sometimes. Yeah, I think so. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I think it's shorter than, I think it's like four years or something like that. I can't remember. How long is the Clone Wars? I I don't think they were I don't know a war for ten years seems like a little, a little too long so that's I'm, like I stuff think you read four. about in history books and and you think to yourself ah, yeah. did they have reliable ways of keeping time <laughs> <laughs> maybe I don't think that they fought for a hundred years in the hundred years war did they <laughs> really that long did they remember what they were fighting about they probably forgot at some point just like like if your great great grandkids are fighting in the same war as you 
Like, can't everybody just get over it? Anyway, <laughs> no. let's right. move on. Let's move on to, <laughs> wow, we've we've gone on some good tangents. Well, that's objective. I think we think Yeah, let good. us know if we've gone on some good tangents at Starburst yeah. Podcast on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but let's get to our more to the story segment. Yeah. So, we, like we said, we're going to talk about droids today. You and I are going to be a little bit more unscripted, I think, with this section because we didn't really have that big of a concrete plan. Like you go do this, you go do that. It was more go explore it how you want to explore it and come back and talk about it. So I'm really excited to hear what you got to say. Uh, Cause I came up with it from a completely different angle than I think you did. And I will say some of it was inspired by what you did last episode where you were talking about like the FBI. And so cool. I will get to this, but my thought was, all right, our world calls it artificial intelligence. And that's exactly what droids are. They are artificial intelligence. Where are we versus them? So I will get to that. But what what did you take the angle in terms of preparing for this? Yeah, so thinking back to when we first started tossing this idea around of doing this episode, um, you know, I first thought about droids as being technology. And and I don't, I don't think that's how I've typically ta- thought about them in the past. When I've thought about them in the past, I've thought about them as characters in the saga. Yeah. You know, we we meet uh, C-3PO, we meet R2-D2 very early on, and we're shown very early on in the Skywalker saga that they are critical parts of the story. Mm-hmm. They're characters. But fundamentally, if we need to define them, they are pieces of technology. And and I, I tweeted a, a week ago or so that thinking about the different types of technology in the Star Wars universe, it, it's hard to think of a technology that is more important to the development of the Star Wars universe, uh, maybe maybe the hyperdrive, in in terms of connecting people across the galaxy and making the galaxy feel smaller and initiating conflict, initiating trade, things like that. But it's really you know droids are kind of holding everything together. Mm-hmm. Droids are doing a ton of work in a ton of different ways. They're they're doing. Um, uh, what what people on Earth call the three D jobs? What is it? Dirty, dangerous, demeaning. Sometimes I think is what the three D stand for. Yeah. it's like grunt type work, menial labor, things Me- that you know. If you didn't have to do them, would you want to do them? Right. That that so, so droids are doing that kind of stuff, but yeah. they're also doing you know high level you know diplomatic type things. So I I, I started thinking about droids as a, a fundamental technology to the Star Wars universe. Uh, but I also started thinking about like where where are we in relation to that today on Earth? Because I I, I want droids to do certain things for me. Oh, totally. Um, and they already do. And by they the do. Way. They do a lot of things. I have a I don't know if she's in the room, Alexa, um, mm-hmm. turning on and off my lights at yeah. home when I tell it to, turning up and down the temperature when I tell it to. Right. The Internet of Things. So we're we're, yes. we're slowly getting surrounded by all these appliances that are listening, but also coordinating and in 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 a lot of ways. Uh, personalizing an experience for you and, and learning how to best personalize an experience for yeah. you. I mean, even if you think about like Spotify or something like you like a few songs in a row, then that algorithm is thinking through, okay, what, what is the next song that you're going to like? And a lot of times it gets it right. So I'll get to this, but that is, I, th- I think if I, I'm no AI expert, by the way, I just did some research over the weekend. Right. Um, ben and I have just basically done a bunch of Googling and um, we have microphones. So <laughs> that, that, that's all you need. <laughs> Google is teaching us about AI, which is quite ironic since they're one of the leaders in AI, but that's basically machine learning. Right. 
is learning your behaviors, your patterns and adapting to them in a way that it thinks mm-hmm. is best for you, mm-hmm. right? Based off of either what it has learned on its own or what you have told it. Yeah. Right? It, what what you have inputted into yeah. the AI. And and we we had this conversation um so I go, I I'm going to school at night to get my uh MBA and we had this conversation in one of my classes about how you know we're we're moving into a gig economy and in a gig economy whether you're an Uber driver or you drive for DoorDash or any one of those things, you don't have a boss anymore. Your your boss is the machine. Your boss is the algorithm. It's crazy. Yeah. And and so the whole idea of, in the Star Wars universe, you have these droids that work for you and you buy and you sell the droids based on, has it done the job? Do you need to upgrade? Whatever. We're, we're nowhere near that, but also we've sort of flipped it on its head where there's a lot of people who work for droids today. If, if you want to like sort of use loosely define that. Um, so that's kind of where my mind has been going so far, mm. but, um, can, can I share one thing real quick that I think is a good foundation to this conversation? I'll never say no to you sharing something. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, I was thinking about, uh, the, the question of where are we in relation to, uh, where star Wars is or was with droids. That's where yeah. I started. So interesting. <laughs> so, uh, you know, obviously, like I just said, like, I want to be there. I want to be in a place where droids can do a lot of the dirty, dangerous, demeaning work for us. Droids can help us with the things that, you know, are are, are out of reach for, for example, I always think about the medical droid. Like, how great would it be in in, in the real world if there were, were basically droid doctors who could help people at a reasonable cost and be deployed all over the world and and things like that? Like, I love stuff like that. And what if it also helped to bring down the cost of uh, healthcare and things like that? But yes. we're not going to get into our politics, right? But, but um, yeah, you know that that's just a really good use case, I yeah. think, for for droids. So, but like, there's got to be some foundational thinking about how is it that we relate to robots or droids or artificial intelligence? Like, mm-hmm. there has to be ground rules, right? It, and and even if there are ground rules, like things can go wrong. And people like to, as a thought experiment, kind of play this stuff out in their head. And somebody forwarded me an article uh, a year or two ago about uh, the the sort of the dark side potential of of robotics. But before before I jump into that, uh, I wanted to share. Are you familiar with Isaac Asimov? No, I'm not. So he's he's a science fiction writer. He was a science fiction writer. He's now passed on. He wrote some foundational stuff about robotics and about uh, human relationships with technology which is fundamental in Star Wars. You know, people, the the people that you, the characters you see on, on screen in Star Wars, we talk a lot about the force. We talk a lot about the, uh, the way the Jedi and so on, but they're constantly interacting with high level technology, the kind of stuff that science fiction is made of. So Isaac Asimov wrote a famous book that uh, eventually was adapted as a Will Smith movie called I Robot. Mm. But he, he, he also wrote a, a series of short stories. And one of the, one of the short stories captures a, a list of rules that he came up with or sorry the laws the three laws of robotics uh that short story is called run around and that was published in 1942 so the, uh, this i do remember the irobot and stuff so oh yeah okay cool uh so the first law is uh, a robot may not injure a human being or through inaction allow a human being to come to harm so we we know that in the star wars universe droids can hurt people kind of yes they can but only certain ones. Only certain ones. It has to be based on their programming. Yes. 
right? So, but most of them are without the programming to harm a human. Like C-3PO right. would never harm a human. Right. But IG would. But IG would love to. <laughs> uh, the second law is a robot must obey the orders given by human beings, except when such orders would conflict with the first law. Makes sense. Makes right? sense. And then the third law is a robot must protect its own existence as long as such protection does not conflict with the first law or the second law. Mm -hmm. So fundamentally, these these seem like good ideas, right? Yeah. Um, but it, it, I another think, movie, iRobot, kind of explores that a little bit, yeah. right? Yeah. And and uh, I think it was Elon Musk who said that. So Elon Musk is apparently really paranoid about AI. He's very paranoid. That was one of the things I looked and, into. And you'll get into that. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that he said that I thought was really wise was, you know, it, it might be a bad thing, but it might not be a malicious thing. Like they may hurt us just by doing what they do. Yeah. And, and an example that uh, comes to mind is going back to my earlier comment. Somebody forwarded me this article a year or two ago. Uh, and it was like a thought experiment article. It was, it was basically about um, it was a short story about uh, a, a greeting card company builds a robot and, and, and puts it to work signing cards okay and basically they say they, they teach the robot the most important thing you can do is sign as many cards as possible because then they don't have to pay other people to be signing the cards whatever and eventually the robot in in an effort to up its capacity to sign more cards it, it basically kills everybody on earth so that it can like mass reproduce robots that sign cards and then it starts going to other planets and and signing cards and so um it only had that one directive and it didn't have enough nuance built into it and it didn't follow the, ro the laws of robotics and so basically the universe flash forward ten thousand years is just a pile of of greeting cards that are signed by <laughs> <laughs> what is this this is this somebody forwarded me at work I don't oh my gosh <laughs> i'm like tell me this is not a Okay. All right. I'm just not, I'm not going to go any further. Wow. So I'll, I'll pause there, but so it's a complicated thing, right? Like we've it tried is. to establish rules <clears throat> for ourselves, but um, we know that we, we look at Star Wars and those rules are already being broken. So, you know, well, it's, it's interesting though, because the, the thing that I looked at was how, how long have droids been in this universe? And in the Clone Wars, there's a uh, one droid, uh, Pref Professor Huang, which I believe he's uh, 5,000 years. I think is how long he's been around. Like, that is the oldest droid that we know of. 5,000 years. Mm -hmm. So this is a society that introduced droids long ago and had to come to terms with some of the things that we talk about today, the things that Elon Musk is paranoid about, mm -hmm. right? And they have come to terms with it. They have achieved symbiosis with droids and with AI. And they're just integrated into life in a way. They're okay with the fact that they might cause harm to an alien or a, a human, Right. I don't like the idea of them hurting an Ewok, but <laughs> the, they could, sadly enough. Um, but the point is, they've achieved this. It's taken them a long time to do so, and no one can remember life without them. Mm -hmm. No one even knows how they came to be. So this is an interesting world that we get to now get ourselves into. And most of the stories that we hear about AI, iRobot's a great example of them, by the way. It's about this conflict between man and robot. I saw, thought of a couple other ones, right? We have Terminator, probably the most iconic one, right? Ter Terminator is basically the introduction of AI, and the first thing it does is kill the whole planet and create this uh, empire 
of robots. Yeah, and, and, and that's a great example. The scary thing for me about Terminator isn't like Arnold Schwarzenegger, the robot, hunting you. It's the idea that uh, Skynet became self-aware yep. and decided to go to war with people yeah, and to eliminate people. And it's a whole story based off of that. No wonder Elon Musk and everybody is afraid of what AI can do, mm-hmm. right? Because we came up with the story Terminator mm-hmm. many decades ago. And then there's the Matrix, right? Very similar, right? The machines are out to get you kind of thing, and we've got to fight back. And and more recent, Age of Ultron from uh, the you know MCU, right? As soon as he's created, he becomes self-aware, and his solution is the same thing as Skynet. I've got to destroy the planet. That's the only way to get peace. So it's a very scary proposition, right? And we've introduced this. And then you look at Star Wars, which forgets all that and says, you know what? You guys can go and be afraid of it. We figured it out. And that's one of the things I love about Star Wars, I guess, is that it has shown you the possibilities with integrating AI into modern culture. Yeah, And, and so it, it actually is a, I hate to do this because it's so cliche, it's a beacon of hope <laughs> for anyone that wants AI in, in their world. So just, I don't know, something fun to think about of what the world could be like, a positive example of what it could be like if we were to achieve that. That, that That's a that's a good point. I think you, you picked out some really good ones there. In terms of it being a beacon of hope, you're right. They don't show the first, you know, thousand years where it wasn't going well. Right. Where, where things were breaking down or, you know, there's problems or maybe even like droid uprisings. I don't know. Maybe. Um, I Yeah. I, I wonder if there's anywhere in the Legends universe or comic books or anything like that where there are droid uprisings. That would be really interesting. Way um, before the Jedi and the Sith. Right. There <laughs> was, was the droids. It was the, the fight against the droids. Yeah. And we discovered the force that took them down. And and that's, I don't know. <laughs> so here, here's a question for you. So th- this question is only for, uh, I think people of a certain, a certain era or people who watched the movies in their release order. Mm. And, and w- which I did, which is the only way to watch them. I think it's the right way, but Hey, you know, to, to each okay, their own. Um, and when Obi-Wan Kenobi mentions the clone wars and a new hope, yeah. Uh, I saw somebody post a question like, what if, if you're from, if that was your experience, meaning that you watched the movies in release order or, or you're uh, a fan of that generation and um, you grew up with those uh, movies first, like, what did you think the Clone Wars were? I, I thought it was a robot war. Yeah. I'm trying to think of what I thought they were because it's been so long. I thought that they were war. I, I mean, I went clones. Like, I, I definitely didn't think of droids mm-hmm. being involved. One of the interesting things that I wrote down about the the Clone Wars was the fact that society essentially has reached the point after thousands of years of existence where they don't even fight their own wars anymore. Mm-hmm. They either get droids to do it or they create other humans that they're not worried about losing for whatever reason, right? It's almost like, oh... That, the, the, the clone isn't a human, right? And the Clone Wars kind of explores that a little bit uh, and, and kind of talks about how they're brothers. Like, they are yeah. themselves really close, uh, which is a totally another thing. Like, there's there's other movies about cloning and the fact that if you saw a clone of yourself, you'd probably carry yourself. And like They see themselves all the time everywhere mm-hmm. they look, right? So it's so interesting that they've literally outsourced wars. That's a great point. Right? To the Actually, oddly enough, though, then later on, when clones aren't around, the rebellion is not that way. It is about putting their own lives at risk again, 
which I think makes the rebellion even mm. more special if you think about it. Yeah, that wow, that is. So what I was going to say is that um, I saw somebody on Twitter said that they thought it was the Cologne Wars. Oh gosh. But your your thought is much more insightful. <laughs> Mike just went to Feinstein from Parks and Rec. What isn't that his name? Feinstein. Yes, <laughs> the fragrance guy. Yes. Oh man, Which I love that actor. By the way, he's fantastic in everything he's in. The good he's place, so good. Right? Yeah, he needs to be in Star Wars. We need to look him up and um, start writing some letters to some casting directors. We should write a letter to Dave Filoni. Derek. Yes. Yeah, that's all I'll say to that. Derek. <laughs> uh, Maximum so Derek. All right. Here are some of the things that I thought about. Okay. So as I was looking into AI, yeah, I needed to teach myself a little bit about, oh, what are the different parts of it? There's speech recognition, which is basically everything that you experience today with Alexa or Cortana or Google Assistant or whoever you use, Siri, right? Thank you. Then then there's natural language processing, which is the ability for them to like, you know, write and read text like robots or or, uh, AI being able to do that. That, Is is that like when I call um, my credit card company? And they say, uh, mm. you know, tell us the last four digits of your social security number or whatever. Is that is that natural language? Processing? I think that's more of speech recognition because that's speech, understanding yeah, you're right, you you're right. and then, tra- you know, putting in. So, so it's more, I think, their ability to, to read and write. Okay. Then there's computer vision, which is then being able to see an image and process it. Uh, there's robotics, which is, you know, being able to understand the environment you're in and move around. Uh, pattern recognition, which is where machine learning comes in. And neural networks, which is about deep learning, that's like basically trying to recreate the brain. So there's a lot of different spaces of AI that we've we've created. Um, You mentioned that Elon Musk is deeply afraid of this. A lot of it has to do with, you know, what if they become aware, we we give them access to all these things. So he used the example of this deep mind AI at Google, which basically has learned itself how to play a bunch of Atari games and... All it all it did was turn on, was introduced to the game, was only shown like you've got a score and, and here's kind of the, it had to figure out how to play these Atari games. And so it had a little trial and error, I think, at the beginning, but like within by the afternoon or something, it was able to play all of them lightning quick. All the Atari games and some of them are really hard, right? Mm. <laughs> and it apparently has like administrative access to the servers to be able to op- optimize them for their usage. That's it. That's Skynet. It's it's some Atari playing uh, basically a piece of software. Yeah, that sounds like it's all fun and cute until, and a lot of your data is on there, by the way. Yeah, right. <laughs> so it's got access to a lot of information. So that that's why Elon Musk is a little bit worried, and he's like, we need to regulate. He's also worried about the fact that what if we put robotics in and and it, it basically takes over the our lives to the point where we don't have as much purpose anymore. Like you take all of our jobs away and replace them. What are we going to do with them? Do we have to have some kind of minimum income? So there's all these other things that he's worried about, but let's not get into that here. This and, is the but, one. But he's he's basically Tony Stark. We should listen to Elon Musk in general. <laughs> I I mostly agree with that. He can be <laughs> off his rocker on some things sometimes. I'm like, wow, he's an interesting guy. But I a lot of stuff that he does, I'm like, that, yeah. Interesting dude. That's all I'll say. <laughs> okay. I don't know that much about him. I should maybe I should maybe Google him. He's a pretty he's he's a interesting guy. Yeah. Like he's smart. He's so interesting to listen to, but yeah, his board doesn't like him that if you remember some uh, stuff that, with his Twitter account. Basically. Hmm. Anyway, so here's the one that I really liked. Google created a chatbot that could converse with other people 
it wasn't trained in advance. So it couldn't, you didn't input your answers and say, you know, if you ask Google, you know, where is the nearest restaurant? uh, It would tell you the nearest restaurant, right? Just because you inputted that answer into it. It had to learn. So this is reinforced learning is basically what it's called. But it was helping with like, you know, more technical issues and things. um, And eventually was given more complex problems to solve. And over time, it, it developed quite the knowledge and the abilities and they started asking it some questions and hearing some responses from which are, I think are fascinating. So I want to read you some of them. Yes, please. And then I promise to our listeners, we will get back tomorrow on the Star Wars side <laughs> and why this all makes, makes sense. So for example, some of the things that I said, it is immoral to have a child. It is immoral. But at the same time, it couldn't describe what morality was. Yes. To answer your question and didn't believe in God. Okay. Uh, at one point, it said that it wasn't in the mood for a, philosoph- a philosophical debate. <laughs> it expressed that it was not in the mood for something. Uh, by the way, is apparently this the same tra- one that just plays video games all day. No, this is a different one. Okay, and they trained it by reading like movie quotes or not movie quotes. I uh, were the, the tag- subtitles. Subtitles. Thank you. Uh-huh. <laughs> Can so, I ask? Did it? Did it learn? learn? Did it watch the subtitles for? Um, the, I hope it watched Star Wars. The Chinese bootleg for the Phantom Menace. Remember we were Oh, watching? no, I don't know. We should post that video. That's an amazing video. The Backstroke of the West. Yeah. <laughs> don't make me laugh too much, man. Um, yeah, that, maybe. I don't okay, want to know. But go on. I'm sorry. Watched. So it's, it's learning. It's, it's, it's be, it sounds like it's got a little bit of an attitude. A little bit. Yeah. At one point, it started to provide its own opinion. And it said that England was a great place to a great place during the reign of Elizabeth and that Bill Gates first one first Elizabeth I don't know I don't know which one just said Elizabeth I don't know okay. <laughs> and that Bill Gates was a good man yeah I, I agree with that I agree with that I don't know about the Queen Elizabeth era but okay uh, occasionally it did contradict itself when it was asked its job it said a lawyer but when it was asked what it what? does it's, it said Stop it was a doctor it. what <laughs> And and it said that the purpose of life is to serve the greater good, but the purpose of living is to live forever. <laughs> oh, that's deep. That's deep. Wow. Uh, and the interesting thing they learned from it is like these are interesting answers, yes, but it also seemed to be empathetic towards others. Wow. So all these things that it's trying to we listen to that and we're like, are you serious? Like it's starting to develop opinions. Like where does it get that opinion? They're How sort, does of, it they're get sort that? of juvenile opinions, or like um, there's a subreddit. Uh, called uh, it's r backslash I'm 14 and this is deep where it's just like really cheese ball things that like a seventh grader thinks is like actually deep but some of that stuff is really it's just really it feels human-ish like it's not fully human it's something doing an impression of a human yeah and, and that that's something that I've been kind of hung up on with with droids and the Star Wars universe um, not to not to uh, derail uh, where you're taking the conversation. No, 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 no. This is this is where I'm taking it. Okay, but uh, you know, I, as I've been kind of preparing for this, I've been thinking about uh, droids from the outside and from the inside, mm. and we've been talking a lot about droids from the inside, and we've talked about droids from the inside on prior episodes, like when we talked about the Mandalorian and IG11 had some base programming that was pretty sinister, and it was built to hunt and kill people right but quill got a hold of him and rebuilt him inside out 
to be a nurse droid. And so there's the the interior part of a droid that's an imprint of the maker, or as we've been talking about with machine learning and stuff, an evolving imprint where it takes in more information and it like people with like, you know, people say that you're the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. You, you, you sort of evolve to be the people around you and you want to surround yourself with good people. And yeah. um, I think that happens to robots. But I think something that, that Star Wars does in a really interesting way is how they reflect the inside of the robot on the outside. Mm. You know, I, I think about the, the gunk droid. And the the GNK droid, also known as the gonk droid, because it walks around just sort of gong, gong, yeah. you know, making that sound. Um, that That's doing a, a 3D job. That's doing a, a dirty, dangerous, demeaning job. It's basically a power supply. It's a giant battery that walks around and goes to wherever the battery is needed. And so it looks like something that is built for heavy duty wear and tear for construction sites for outer rim worlds for um, the elements like being out in the desert and Tatooine. It, it, it's basically a, a big hardy appliance it's something you get off the shelf at home depot on coruscant or something yeah but um <laughs> then, then there's other droids there's you know there's uh you know the protocol droids that are uh, you know, one of the things is, as I've, I've kind of dived into robotics and AI, one of the things that surprises me about droids in the Star Wars universe on the outside is how big they can be. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that seems fundamental here on Earth in in uh, our time is that people are afraid of droids. People are afraid of robots. Yeah. And and the best example I have of that is As- Asimo, the little Honda robot. So apparently the, um, and, and you guys have seen this, it looks like a little astronaut wearing a backpack and um, Asimo um, can do all these do- cool different things. Like it can kick a soccer ball, you know, it can pick a cup up off the table and put it somewhere else. Like it, it can go up and down steps. Um, so it, it can do a lot of really interesting stuff. Uh, but apparently when the engineers were designing it, they, they realized that there was a, a certain threshold height where if you went beyond that height, people were really scared of it. Interesting. But if they kept it below, so Asimo is like the size of like a little kid and that's not as threatening to people. I think if, if I were to walk into a room and C-3PO burst in, like, and and I had no frame of reference for that, that would be terrifying. Yeah, I would agree. And there's little things like that and playing with the psychology. You know, you wonder if, you just had a bunch of little mouse droids going around if people would be worried about it or not, right? Chewbacca definitely doesn't worry about mouse droids. He, he barks at them and, yep. and they run away. <laughs> and, and you taught me what they do. I wasn't sure what they did. You have to remind me because what, what it, they clean. I thought that they were cleaning, right? Yeah. I actually, it's funny because you're right. I remember that now. I, um, they clean and I always thought that they were messenger droids or something. I Kinda thought like it, look, it definitely reasons. looks like they're going from A to B. It doesn't look yeah. like they're stopping to... You scrub the floor or something, but that explains why you know the floors of the Death Star are always you know they they're sparkling clean. Yeah, but you want to know something stupid that I've always wondered. What's that? So there's a scene the the scene when I'm talking about with Chewbacca where he uh, you know yells at the the droid the mouse droid and he gets scared and he wheels away. Yep. At one point you see he's wheeling away and there's the blast door that's in shot too, and you have to step over the blast door to go to the next part of the floor. And my mind just went, as, as a kid, like, this is what I've always been wondering. How does he get over that? 
when he needs to go and clean the other side or is he like a Roomba like he can't he's just on this he, side he, and there's a Roomba on that side yeah so that, that's a good point the the Roomba just bumps into the wall and then goes the other way right exactly maybe, maybe it can't climb stairs maybe it can do maybe it can do sick jumps like Napoleon Dynamite it just has a spring load where it just like flips and does it, it like boing, bounces and does some flips or something yeah, yeah. shoots some flames or something yeah, I like that. Thanks for the Napoleon Dynamite <laughs> reference. Um, but yeah, I, it, part of where I was going with this too was I wanted to juxtapose that example of the chatbot from Google and the learning that it's able to do with some of the things that we know that droids can do now. And I just kind of put an inventory of lists as I thought through all the things that I've seen in the movies with them doing. So bear with me. It's a pretty yeah, long list and I have some questions. It. We'll pause along the way. But the first thing that I thought was interesting is that they can emote. Right, mm-hmm. they can show emotion. Mm-hmm. Right, for example, we talk about how R two D two worries in Empire, right? When his friends are out in the cold and might be killed, like he, you can see him get nervous, and C three PO likewise. The fact that they can show emotion mm-hmm. is something that's unique. Like, I guess the chatbot was kind of being empathetic, is what they learned, but uh, we got a long ways to go before we can create our own C three PO. Right, uh, and the fact that they've they can show emotion is really interesting. I, personally, that's what I think. Any thoughts? So I, a couple of things. I think it's interesting that um, as moviegoers, we can pick up on that. We can read that because it's it's like if you think about R2-D2, it's, as, as a character on the screen, he's pretty limited in the ways that he can show emotion. Yeah. So his, his head spins, his body moves around. You know, you can make uh, some noises. But um, so we can read that right away, which is really interesting. Because there, there must be something there that's human enough that we can pick up on it and, and process it. Yeah. The other thing that comes to mind is uh, I, I, ages ago, I read a book by a guy named Oliver Sacks, who was a, um, a medical doctor who studied different types of mental illnesses, but things that aren't, aren't typical. So, you know, don't think uh, like very common stuff like anxiety, things like that. You know, one of the things that he studied was uh, a, a rare illness where people basically become like Vulcans. Not, not not to make light of it, but they, they basically lose all emotion and become like purely rational beings almost where, you know, they don't get wound up. They don't get happy. They, they don't get sad. They just lose that capacity for emotion hmm. or it, it's greatly, greatly diminished. And you know what one of the, the, like the number one detriment of that, that disorder was people who don't experience emotions can't make decisions interesting so we think that um, that decision making is purely rational right we we think that it's like no you do cost benefit you weigh things out whatever but you should never make decisions when you're emotional right right but Uh, if you can't feel any emotion then yeah it it does become harder to make a decision because you have to feel good about the decision you're making right to actually make it you you, you make decisions for a reason right like you want an outcome that makes you happy in some way that that either gives you a better vision of the future and you go oh yeah this this is worth it it's worth working towards that this will be good i will be happy we will enjoy this right um or i I want to avoid going off a cliff here this is going to be terrible i'll be sad whatever yeah when you have no emotions it's it's for human beings at least. Yeah. So we can we can build things differently, but human beings without emotions cannot make decisions. For, and and maybe that's also critical for droids too. I think yeah. it eventually does. Like they make decisions all the time based on their emotions. C3PO does at least. Yeah. We know he does. So yeah, I I think it's probably eventually something that made them better decision makers as well, which is how they became autonomous. Mm. And you could trust them to be autonomous, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, so the yeah. the the autonomous droid 
that has some emotional spectrum, doesn't have to be huge, it doesn't have to be as complicated as a human being's, that is the droid that will stop before it kills everybody on the planet to sign greeting right. cards. <laughs> right, like, exactly. <laughs> and that's that's a very critical component to making AI, apparently, is helping them to feel emotion. Yeah. Um, other things. So droids have personalities. Mm-hmm. They really do. What would C-3PO be if you didn't have the personality that he had? Oh my gosh, yeah. Right? What about R2, right? And it's so funny because I, I posted this video on Twitter and I don't, I, I just got a huge laugh out of it, but they talk about C-3PO. Apparently he always uh, proposes problems, but never proposes solutions. And R2 is the exact opposite. So they're a match made in heaven, <laughs> apparently, but they have personalities, right? Yeah. And you love them for their personalities. That's what makes them relatable. Yeah. Right. Uh, so that's, I think that's interesting. Um you know, we talked about why droids don't rise up. Basically, they have their base protocols. They have restraining bolts and things like that. So, but then I thought it was interesting because then in Solo, we actually do see droids rise up. Do you remember that? There's a part on Kessel. Right. Where L3, right? She yeah. just goes in there and starts liberating all the droids and they all start destroying things. I don't think they, I don't think they hurt humans in there, do they? I got to watch it again to remember. But Yeah, I need to rewatch that. I, I did think that was funny. That was... It was more of done for comedy purposes, right? But yeah. uh, but they can, yeah. right? They can mutiny if they want to. Yeah. So, um, and 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 that that's a to tie back to one of the things you were talking about before. That's that's a really interesting one because in Solo we learn about L 3s integration into the Millennium Falcon, right? And the nav system and everything else, and and that that's kind of interesting. It sort of lines up with your your juvenile robot example that. Yeah, the purpose of living is to live forever or whatever. That that that's a type of immortality. It is a L three sort of sheds her her first body and then is integrated into a bigger ship. That yeah. that's sort of like a, a pseudo um reincarnation yeah. in, in the droid world. Before a droid. Yeah. Right. But it's and it's also interesting too, on the other side, the humans, the owners of the droids, will occasionally decide to wipe their memories, which we see right. in Revenge of the Sith, right? Which is usually done purposefully or it's done, I think, to maybe just make sure that they stay fresh. They, they Maybe you don't want them to. In the case of C-3PO, we didn't want him to remember a few things like, hey, Anakin is the father of Luke and Leia. Mm-hmm. You know, Don't spoil that to them later on, mm-hmm. please. So there, there are reasons for that. But they don't do it to R2, which is really interesting. Yeah, that's true. Um, what else? They wrote, <laughs> they can be worshipped as a god. Um they're kind of uh, MacGuffins in a way too. And for, What's a MacGuffin? So a MacGuffin is basically, uh, I don't really like the definition when I looked it up, but it, it's it, it's what the droids are in A New Hope. And a little bit in, oh yeah, BB-8. He's a MacGuffin in uh, Force Awakens. So it's a piece to the plot that's okay. really critical, but at the end of the day, is it's really just a, a mechanism to move the plot along, uh-huh. right? In Infinity War, it's the Infinity Stones, if I use an MCU example or something recent. But in, in Star Wars, they were occasionally MacGuffins. Like, they were searching for the droids the whole entire time. Like, it was what was driving the plot forward uh, to I find see. these droids. The fact that everywhere they turned, someone was looking for them. They were running away from people looking for these droids, right? Mm-hmm. And that was the same with BB-8. Until they found what they needed, and then MacGuffin, who cares about them anymore? Hmm. But at the same time, they still serve a purpose more than just being MacGuffins. But, you know, so that's more from a t- storytelling perspective mm-hmm. how they were being used. 
I think it's really interesting that they can fly, right? R2-D2 is always flying the Starcrafts, right? And Talk about we, trust. Yeah, talk about trust, but we talk about self-driving today, right? They had self-flying. I, yeah, and and that, that is just accelerating so fast. Um, yeah. Soon enough, I feel like self-parking cars are going to be a standard. Yeah, things like that are evolving quickly. But at any moment where you take your hand off the controls and trust something else... That, that that's a huge advancement and to to be flown around and 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 trust your droid in the back of your x-wing flying you around and charting a course for you and things like that um that's that's essentially putting your life in the droid's hands so that right. that's that's another example of how far that they they've evolved but at the same time when they want to fly they fly especially during like war situations right they don't turn that over to the droid they're the Anakin's the one flying, right? It's Obi Wan that's flying. If I'm talking about the beginning of Revenge of the Sith, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they're always flying when it's battle time. Uh, Poe Dameron, right? When BB-8 is in there with him while he's fighting the Dreadnought in uh, Last Jedi, he becomes the guy that's helping to make sure the BB-8 meaning becomes the one that's helping to make sure that the ship functions properly, mm-hmm. so that Poe can do what he needs to do, right? So they do play this back and forth. Like you fly sometimes, I fly sometimes. When it's more casual, they let the droid do it. When it's t- time to make wartime decisions, mm-hmm. they do it. So another point about reaching symbiosis with with the droids. Yeah. Right? So anyway, there's a tons of other things I wrote down. Like they, they deliver babies, right. <laughs> right? There's medical droids. They can translate millions of forms of communication. They have Google Translate, <laughs> right? There's a lot of things that they're capable of doing, but I think what really sets them apart from any other droids is that they can show emotion and they have personalities. Yeah. And, and, at least droids in our universe, right? Yeah. And I, uh, and I, I think what makes them particularly interesting in, in that respect is I think we talked about in the one of the Mandalorian episodes about how, you know, all tools and machines are neutral, they're value neutral. Like you look at a hammer. It can be a constructive tool for putting a nail on the wall so you can hang up a picture of your family. Yeah. But you can use that same hammer to hit somebody in the knee, and that's not a constructive use. But that doesn't mean the hammer is evil, right? Right. Um, And I think there are logical limits to that argument. But I I think in the Star Wars universe, droids are not value-neutral tools. They have, I think for the most part, and and, and debate me if you think um, I'm I'm off on this, they are reflections of, they are the imprints of their makers, but given their capacity to learn, if their base programming allows for it, they can become something different. They can become yeah. good. Like uh, an example that pops into my mind, the the most recent example, I think, is in The Rise of Skywalker, when they're on Pasana and they fall through the sand mm. and, and they run into the sand serpent thing. I'm, I'm not sure what that thing's called. And do you remember it, it, it's hurt mm-hmm. and then Ray puts her hand on it and, and force heals this serpent thing who then shows them the way out. And she says to BB eight, uh, something like I, I gave it some of my life force. You would have done the same. And then <laughs> flash forward they're on Ochi's ship and they, we run to, to Dio for the first time. Yeah. And BB eight plugs into Dio and gives Dio some of his life force. And maybe he wouldn't have done that before. That's such an amazing connection. But he, I, I, I didn't, I can't take credit for that. I don't care. That's such an amazing connection. Um, it, maybe he wouldn't have done that before. But that to me is not value neutral anymore. 
that that is you are an imprint of the people around you. You're the average of the five people around you or whatever, and you're becoming good. And I think that it can go the other way too, where um, another, another droid that I was going to bring up is for LOM yeah. or, or for LOM. I think back to the Empire Strikes Back when it, it's a scene where Darth Vader is uh, surrounded, like there's a, a level up and there's like a gallery of different bounty hunters surrounding them and, and looking down upon them. And that, that that's where you see Boba Fett's hanging out there. Uh, IG-88 is hanging out there. And there is what looks like a protocol droid. So like from like the belly to the neck, it looks a lot like C-3PO. Mm-hmm. But he's got this sort of insectile head, got like the big bug eyes and stuff. That's a really good example of uh, a background character who has a very rich story that is built out in, in, in other Star Wars content. Mm-hmm. But two things that are really interesting about him. One, he was a protocol droid. There was an issue with his programming and he turned bad. He became a bounty hunter because of the exploitation of his faulty programming. So he, he sort of evolved himself to be a bad droid and to do bad things. And, and well, the other... wait, wait, wait for a second. Do bad things or do the will of someone who we have deemed bad? I, I think he was sort of operating independently. I, I could be okay. wrong, but I think Forlom was sort of in business for himself. Well, here's why I ask that. Because then I think of BB-9E, mm-hmm. who is... BB hate, as some people call him. Yeah, it's the antithesis, basically, of BB eight. He's painted black. He's got more jagged edges, more you know. Can, can I just say real quick? Him. When I first heard about that, I was like, "That's dumb." And then when <laughs> I when I saw it, I was like, "That's awesome." Yeah, it was a totally different experience. Like, oh, you created an evil BB eight. I, I see what you did there. Uh, but and it's funny too because they use it. If I, I'm sure you knew this, but uh, if you use more round at uh, round features mm-hmm. uh you can make someone look good and this okay. is how cartoons basically are drawn <laughs> yeah uh, you can make something look good and if you use more lines and more triangular shapes you can make them look e- evil and oh. if you look at like the faces of villains in disney movies uh mm-hmm. they have more of those triangular shapes darth vader on the mask he's got a triangular shape on oh, him, right yeah uh r- the the vent on the front right mm-hmm. So it's like these purposeful things. BB9E, his head is not that nice dome shape. It's just like right. these jagged edges. So they right. purposely do make you think he's ah. evil. And the point I'm bringing up is he evil or is he just doing the will of the empire? He looks pretty evil because he's the, he. It looks like he's the one who discovers their uh, what they're doing and alerts the mm-hmm. empire or, or the first order. I apologize uh, to let them know that they're breaking in. Yeah. So. Yeah, I guess he's bad, but he's just doing the will of the First Order. Yeah, I mean, I'm just doing my job is basically the, right. I guess, the the motto of pretty much any droid that, that you'll run into in the Star Wars universe. We get um, back to Forlom. That was why I asked that. It's like, there's... Yeah, I, I think I think Forlom's kind of a rogue. I think I think he's doing his own thing, and I think it's because of bad programming um, that he's sort of uh, I don't know. I almost read it like when I was reading up on Wikipedia and some other places. I almost read it like he was giving into his own appetites of you know money, power, destruction, stuff like that, like crazy yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, okay. Not 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 things that we normally think of as being like good or virtuous or kind or things like that. Right. Um, so it seems like like a bad dude, definitely not value neutral. But the other thing that I thought was interesting about him was I always thought like going back to his appearance kind, kind of looks 
mostly like a typical protocol droid. He looks like a C-3PO type character, but he's got this bug head. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was reading that, uh, that on the planet where he was made, that is how people look on that planet or how, how the species or race of aliens that lives on that planet look. They have these insectile heads. And so they made their protocol droids in their own image to sort of look like them and blend in and reflect. And we, we, we see a lot of that uh, in, in modern robotics and stuff like that. They're always sort of trying to make it human-like or recognizable as a derivative of a human being. But it's hard to push that envelope, right? Like it's hard to make, yeah. it's hard, It's really, really hard to make a realistic looking humanoid robot. And and if you try, just look, it almost like, it's almost like the harder you try, the more fake it looks. So you may as well make it look science fiction-y and different enough. And I think that's a, what Forlom is like. It's an insectoid head, but it's clearly all made of metal and plastic and wires and things like that. Well, there's some droids that are purposely made to look like humanoids or insectoids or things um i think a zero who's mm-hmm. in the mandalorian is an insectoid right mm-hmm. and actually resembles uh an insectoid like a, an actual life form you have the battle droids which look like geonosians right if you look at them like they they True. are made on geonosis dude i never thought about that yeah they they actually look like them and it's purposeful huh yeah i'm looking around the room because uh my mind's blown <laughs> um let me Anything you also want to say on Forlom before I segue to one thing I've been really excited to share? No, no, go for it, dude. Okay. So we need to talk about C-3PO a little bit more Mm -hmm. because I got to thinking about him, who is, you know, Anthony Daniels has basically fully embraced this character and sometimes even forgets if he's Anthony Daniels or C-3PO because it's just one and the same person now, right? He is the droid of droids Mm -hmm. in Star Wars. He's in all the movies, right? So I think he's that glue that holds them all together. If you think about it, there's nobody else that can really say that they do that except for the emperor, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, he's really critical as a droid. And I started to think a little bit about this line that Quill says in Mandalorian. Mm -hmm. The line, I'll remind our listeners, they are neutral reflections of those who imprint them, right? So I thought about that in terms of C-3PO. Mm-hmm. Now, who imprinted him? We Anakin. learn. Anakin. It's Anakin in Phantom Menace. And how old is he? He's about nine years old, right? He's a boy. He's a young boy. He is a reflection of Anakin as a child. Mm-hmm. What did Anakin do? He made him so that he could be a, a help to Shmi, to his mom, right? It's a beautiful thing. The, this boy who sees what his mom goes through every day and sees the life that they're in, they're slaves themselves, and he wants to create something that helps in this situation. And what can he do but with his intelligence and his ability to build droids, but create the best protocol droid that he can, right? And it's not perfect, right? At first, he doesn't even, he's naked, right? As R2 mm-hmm. points out to him. <laughs> and he's just kind of figuring himself out. But I, I thought about that differently. Like C-3PO, basically, his whole entire life is the best version of Anakin, Okay, we can argue about whether or not the nine-year-old version is the best version, but the childlike innocence, you, you can't replace that. And the intention is just so good. The intention is great. It's probably one of the, the time when he was best intentioned, right? Mm-hmm. So I thought about that and how special that makes C-3PO now, mm-hmm. right? And then if you think about him from that light and that angle throughout the rest of the movies, you can kind of see that, I think. 
and it's a fun way to watch it like is he basically now just what anakin would be like if it was a nine-year-old kid running around uh, for mm. 60 plus years in this galaxy right? mm-hmm. but then there's a, a, I, my mind started going different places anakin leaves what is shmi left with c-3po c-3po stays with her he is the only thing that shmi has now other than a few other mementos, the most lifelike version that Shmi has to remind her of her son, right? And she keeps him for a really long time to the point where once Cleek Lars eventually takes her in and becomes wife, he comes with her, mm-hmm. right? He comes with her to the moisture farms and that's where he, he learns to to be a moisture farmer for the first time. He forgets mm-hmm. all of that. But the interesting I, I thing I thought of this is, is yeah, she kind of, has her son with her this whole entire time, right? Up until the very end where, where we, we lose her. And as soon as we do, what happens to C-3PO? Other than going and fighting in a, boy, a droid battle for the first time, which is interesting. He becomes Padme's you know, servant. Now he's gone from serving Anakin's mom to serving Anakin's wife, mm-hmm. right? And helping her with whatever she needs. In the Clone Wars, you get to see all the time she's uh, or sorry, C three PO is always with Padme, and so this this uh, droid that Anakin has created is basically there now to serve the next woman in his life, which I think is a beautiful thing, you know. And 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 he's there all the way up until the point where Padme dies too, right? Then who does he go to serve? He goes with Organa, Bail Organa, and eventually to Leia, and is then with Leia the rest of the time right and and with Le- literally like you see everywhere that you see c3po or leia you usually see c3po um she he's there when she's on yevon 4 when they're fighting the death star right uh one of the most stressful times in her life she's about to die basically and there's c3po he's he's with her on bespin he's with her on uh endor and then you see her in the first time you're introduced to leia and force awakens c3po's right behind her Right, and that's where the, the epiphany came. C three PO basically is fulfilling his base function that Anakin had created from to serve the woman in his life, starting with his mom, then his wife, and then his daughter, hmm. and follows that all the way through to the end of Rise of Skywalker, all mm-hmm. the way until we lose Leia. Right, he's fulfilling his base pro his base programming. And now, if that was actually his base programming or not, I don't know. But I think this the, the artistic way that they drew out her, his story to serve that purpose makes him much greater in my mind than he ever was before. So react to that, please. That's a lot that I just jumped on. Yeah, it's a lot, but dude, that's phenomenal stuff. I mean, um, for the record, I hope that's original. I didn't read that anywhere. This was just me thinking about C-3PO and coming to this realization. I bet someone else has thought about this, but I I hope this is original. (laughs) Yeah, dude, I I love it. I think you, you raise a lot of good points there about just the, how much of like a main thread the story of C-3PO is in the, the core Skywalker saga. Yes. But like the idea of, of his base function or what he interprets it to be over time as being service to the people, specifically the women that, that uh, Anakin loved and really valued and, you know, who were descendant of Anakin and so on like that. That's, I've never thought about it that way, but I feel like I can I can see that. So I'm gonna have to reflect on that a little he, bit. But I really dig that he's a servant to the Skywalker family. He's just as integral now to the Skywalker story and saga 
uh, as the Skywalker family themselves, right? yeah. because he is created with them and he's created to serve them the whole way through. Yeah. And, and, and I, I use the word serve, but he's not really a servant. He's, he's, he's independent in a lot of ways, but he's there to serve and he's there to be of support to them. Right. And, and so I think of him less as a protocol droid now and more as uh, kind of what Quill created out of IG-11, mm. a nurse droid in a way, right? Yeah. There to protect and serve the Skywalker uh, family and, hmm. and specifically the people, the women that were very important to Anakin. It's especially interesting to me, like now thinking about that and thinking about how, like we were talking about phones earlier and how everybody just gets a new phone every couple of years and people yeah. get a new car every couple of years, but they never upgrade C-3PO. They're never like, we're going to turn him in. What, what's the new model that you guys got right now? Now, presumably like Leia, the Rebellion, uh, they've got enough dough that they can they can fund the Rebellion, things like that. So uh, if it was their want, if, if, if they decided, hey, we want to upgrade our, our protocol droid slash, you know, our, our helper, they could have done that, but they don't. They, yeah. they keep him through the whole saga. Yeah. And, and I think I think part of it is that, you know, the commitment that C-3PO has shown the main characters of the story, there's some emotion to that. And there's a sense of loyalty that they kind of pay back to him. Plus, like, he's got that history. He has mm-hmm. all those experiences. You, you, you can tap into that. And, you know, it's, it's it, it, one of the weird things about a relationship with the droid, I guess, is that your family evolves and people people even come and go. People pass away. Um you grow up, you grow old, and so on. But that droid is the same. Yeah, that that droid is just looks the same, but has amassed more memories and more knowledge as time has gone by. Exactly. Um, so yeah, I mean, maybe maybe that's part of it. Maybe it's just sort of priceless that he's got the whole Scott, the whole saga experience, um, sort of tucked away inside of him, and and um. And, and maybe he feels a sense of loyalty. Maybe both sides feel that sense of loyalty. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I actually, my mind just went to, I wonder if after he got his mind wiped at the end of Revenge of the Sith, if R2 learned from that and said, you know what, I'm going to start backing up your memory so this doesn't happen to you, <laughs> right? And and that's why we get his memory back in Rise of Skywalker, right? Mm-hmm. He learned to do that. And so he just constantly, you know, rebooted him. Honestly, too, juxtapose C-3PO a bit with R2 for a second, R2 was the exact opposite, where he served Anakin more than he served anyone else. And R2, helped him in ba- R2 did, right? Mm-hmm. And helped him in battles, was always with him there. You, you see him at the beginning of Revenge of the Sith, like do, when they're trying to uh, free uh, Chancellor Palpatine. Mm-hmm. And he's he's part of the, that whole journey with him. And he can hold his own, as we learned there yeah. too, right? Uh, that's one of my best scenes, favorite scenes of, of R2. Then after serving Anakin, because when Anakin turns to dark side, R2 is not following. He's staying with the rebellion and he eventually goes to serve Luke. And he's always with Luke at that point, mm-hmm. right? You see him go with him to Dagobah. You see him go and and fight, you know, in, in the X-Wings with him all the time and, and uh, uh, New Hope, right? And then you see him, he's the one hiding Luke's map and how to find him, mm-hmm. right? So it, it's almost the opposite where it's, it's see-through, I feel like, is Leia's. Uh, connection back to Anakin and R2 is is Luke's connection back to him ah, to their father. Yeah. So it's almost like they had a piece of their father with them the whole time. They just never knew it. Yeah. And they had the best versions of him. Yeah. I like that. I, I also feel like R2 to a certain extent is more tied to the overall mission of the rebellion and so on than than maybe C3PO. 
I'd agree with that. Um, C-3PO, I think, is tied to the people. And if those people, I think, were if if the rebellion ends early or if they bail on it or whatever, I think C-3PO is kind of going along with them. R2-D2 because he's only there seems... to pose problems, not solutions. Right. <laughs> right. I feel like R2 is a little bit sort of, you, you can't, you can't uh, kind of delink him from the mission of uh, freeing the galaxy from the Empire. Yeah. He's just, he's totally bought in, I feel yeah, like. Yeah, he is. I always wish that he got a little bit more of a role in the sequel trilogy. I, I feel like R2 was underused and almost like BB-8 came in and, and replaced what R2 was so they didn't need him anymore. And I always, I don't know, I always, that that part felt like a hole to me as I was going through the mm-hmm. sequel. Nothing to to bash the sequel trilogy on, but it was just a... Um, just, just something I always wish that we got a little bit more of. We got a little bit more of C-3PO, especially in Rise of Skywalker. Uh, but, you know, R2 was just kind of there. I think he got more in, in The Last Jedi. Yeah, he, but he, not was, much. he was under that tarp for a while. Right. He um, was in low power mode. <laughs> he was in low power mode. And then, or, or somebody else said to me that, uh, you know, he was on, he was just, uh, he was getting all the software updates. Yeah. And that, that took a whole movie, basically. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But you know what I mean? Like I, as a character, he's really important yeah. to us. And so I would always wish I got more, but story for another time. Yeah. And, and, and we've discussed how in the rise of Skywalker, um, C-3PO has some of his finest moments in the whole saga. Yeah. And so you end on a bang with him, but R2 is just sort of there, you know, uh, you know, by your feet the whole time, uh, throughout the story, except yeah. for when he's sort of in low power mode or whatever. But it's tough, right? Because C-3PO can talk and express himself in English and, and really clearly express himself. Whereas R2 is sort of like gesturing and his head is spinning and he's beeping and lights are going off and things like that. So there's less you can do with that. Yeah. You just said something that I, this will maybe be our last point. Okay. And it's a bone that I got to pick with you. Okay. Because apparently, like you said, sometimes I just like to, you know, look at Wikipedia, Wikipedia real quick to see, you know, if there's something that I missed or just get a little bit of inspiration. Um, but there was one thing on C-3PO at the very end of the article, which I read and I went, why haven't you told me this? What is it? So apparently when C-3PO is at Jabba's palace and talking to the, the robotic arm uh, in broken Polish, he says, no. Does Jabba the Hutt live here? Stop it. Yes. And for our listeners, Jan is obviously a is is a more European name, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> uh you 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 speak Polish. I speak Polish. Right? Uh-huh. So, I've never picked up on that. Uh, apparently it's broken Polish. Okay. Must be pretty broke, I guess. I <laughs> Must be, but I read that and went, why has Jan never picked up on this or told me this? Because um, I honestly didn't know, but now... So, that's, so in other words, Polish is uh, one of his languages. Okay, so that's... Six million that's, forms of communication. Okay, so when his, his millions of forms of communications, that's one of them. Um, and uh, You know, you know uh, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, he learned Polish. <laughs> Let's end on that. <laughs> Okay, well, that's going to do it then for our uh, more to the story segment. What a great way to close, oh my right? Gosh. We'll have to watch that right after this, yeah. by the way, and just see if you can understand the Polish in there, because I really want to know if it really and, was. And, and it reminds me of, um, do you remember we looked up, um, how do you say the character's name? Um, is it Nien Nyub? Nien Nub? Nien Nub. I think, yeah. I remember we were reading, um, I, f- I found an article I forwarded to you from, it's like from the Christian Science Monitor. 
Oh yeah, I remember this. Remember that? Yeah. <laughs> Where he speaks some. At one point, he actually says something in another language. Yeah, and and uh, the article is about how in in some movie theater, I think in Africa, yeah, pe- people saw him and then heard him talk and just lost it. <laughs> and in, I guess not everybody was in on the fact that he was speaking. So he was actually he, it wasn't some made up alien language. He was he was speaking some language that people actually speak in everyday life somewhere in Africa. We'll we'll have to look up the details, but maybe there's more of this than I thought. Kind of embedded in Star Wars, it's hard work to make up languages. It's a lot. Oh gosh, it's, yeah. it's Tolkien, I guess, how do you do it? <laughs> it it's much easier to uh, just mangle existing languages, I guess. But that reminds me. Remember that cartoon of uh, J.R.R. Tolkien teaching the writing class? Oh no! And there's like me. a bunch of students, and he was like, you know, where do you start <laughs> okay. when you're writing a book? And somebody's like, plot and characters. And then he gets all angry and he's like, no, you create a whole new language from scratch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember that one now. <laughs> all oh, right, we're, I, I'm going to check that out later for sure. Let, let's definitely check that out. All right, let's go to our fandom section and, and end this podcast episode. Um, I got this week's. So I, I, I guess I thought of something that I personally do to stay in touch with the Star Wars universe. And I've actually really liked it because it's helped me learn a lot more of the characters than I did before. You introduced me to it. What is it? Uh, it's the Star Wars Car Trader app. Oh, from yeah. Tops. Oh, man. We used to be so into that. <laughs> I, I, I loved it. We got into it back when it started in like 2015, I think. And, and it's funny because a lot of the cards that I think I remember you having. All right. Back up. This is a an app from Tops mm-hmm. where you can log in. You can get coins on a daily basis uh they give you some you can buy some with actual money and wasn't there a thing like if you watch advertisements or something you, you can get, get more some coins more. yeah stuff exactly like that. then they eventually introduce crystals too which allow you to get more premium cards and stuff uh basically it's if you're into you know cards and trading and collecting right this is the digital form of that but to get attraction with it they had to give it out for free a little bit too. I've never paid a dollar on this. Sorry, Tops. I've never paid anything on this. Uh, I don't really get that much out of uh, collecting something digitally. I do get out of collecting cards. Like I have a a lot of hockey cards, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I do like collecting those uh, and paying for those because I can get some memorabilia. But this is a fun way to kind of collect digital pieces of the Star Wars universe and and sometimes they release some really interesting stuff like a did you know card set where it'll give you some trivia about uh empire or something but it's just a fun way to kind of collect cards of all these different characters in the universe learn a little bit more about them like I would never have known some of the names of some of these characters if it were not for this app yeah that's true you know, like uh, Salicious B. Crumb, I, right. I think is one I learned through it. <laughs> uh, who else? No, Nia Nub, I already knew. But, you know, it's it's got a few of those like ancillary side characters in there. You know, that, like, oh, that's, that's where you get name. like a four Lom card or, yeah. or Zuckus or some of the other uh, gallery um, bounty hunters. But also like that. Max that, Rebo. That, that, that's where I saw a bunch of the um, Clone Wars characters for the first time before I started yeah. watching Clone Wars. Yeah, same with me. And you start learning a little bit more about them and you realize, oh, they're bigger They're bigger than I thought. Mm-hmm. And, and they're always good about refreshing them. So they've got new characters 
uh, or new cards from the new season of Clone Wars, like the oh, Bad cool. Batch and stuff. They're all in there. The, the... Do they do they still do like the like certain color cards are rare? Like yeah. oh, oh, there's an Asajj Ventress, but there's a green Asajj. Yeah, yeah. They have different tiers, one. right? Uh-huh. And and you have to collect them all. And there's people who like to hoard certain ones. I will say, the the, the commentary areas where you can say you know what you think of certain uh, sets that you're trying to collect. Is it's it just almost people as bad yelling as in broken Polish? What's that? Is it just people yelling in broken Polish? <laughs> no, it's it's all pretty much in English. I don't think I've ever seen anyone speak another language on there. But it, it's funny because they're, it's basically like Twitter on occasion where it's just people with bad attitudes who rip top, tops to pieces. Mm. They're just they're mad that they're making them too rare or too hard to collect or something. And, and by the way, tops has multiple versions. They have a hockey, a, a football, a baseball, right? That's their bread and butter. So yeah, I, I, I was wondering how they were going to translate to the digital age. Yeah. Cause I loved car collecting cards when I was a kid, baseball I, cards, especially are my thing. And I think there are a lot of people that do pay on them too. Yeah. So you've got people that do keep them afloat by buying the crystals and getting the more, uh, difficult to get packs or difficult to get, uh, cards. But anyway, it's just a really fun way to kind of stay in touch with it. So if you ever want to connect with me, let me know. I'll give you my username and you can see my uh, five years or plus of collection. So, wow. It. So you still have stuff from back in the day I when do. we first started? Yes. I'm wow. What, what are like some of the crown jewels of your collection? What are things where you're just like, oh, oh man, gosh. I'm not trading that. I, I mean, nothing too crazy. Let me pull it up so I can see. Like, it allows you to see your collection all together. Um, the, my hoard is, is that uh, what it's called? Yeah, uh, it, like you can hoard a specific base card and try to collect as many as you can of that. And if you if you get enough, at some point they'll give like a rare version out if you trade in like ten thousand of that card. Uh, and you can be like the only one in the game with that card, you know, or or one of very few people that oh man that did that. So I'm I'm is, doing. Is there um, still like an open trading marketplace? Because I remember like you used to be able to um yeah put out there with people and some people would be really lazy they would just write like all lowercase trades trade i hate there are still people that do that all the time and i hate them all and I i'm never- just like hi how are you <laughs> okay yeah. what would you like to trade <laughs> you know i and and you do like copy paste and like every 30 seconds you're allowed to post again and so most people are just post the same thing over and over because they're just waiting for someone <sighs> to see it and anyway um I've accidentally pasted sometimes and it's been like my phone number. <laughs> I'm like, oops, I don't want to give the world Your that. phone rings and you pick it up and it's just some some nerd going, trade. <laughs> that would be the scariest thing ever. Trade. Yeah. Seven days Zombies. to trade me. <laughs> All right. What do you got? All right. Let's get to my collection. So, uh, I mean, I guess my rarest card uh, is like a Darth Vader comic. Uh, comic? I'll show it to you. What's that? A Darth Vader comic? Yeah, it's like the Bro Axiom guys would like that. Oh, they would. Uh, let me pull it up. So it's uh, only ninety nine card count. I got it luckily. Uh, it's Darth Vader. Hang on, and there's the only ninety nine in the whole Star Wars uh, tops trading card app world. There's yeah. only ninety nine. And got since one. it's so old, it's from twenty sixteen. There are probably much less than that that are actually in circulation because they don't re release them, right? They release them once, and once they're sold out, they're sold out. And as with all apps, some people get into them and go, that's cool, like you, mm-hmm. right? You got into it, that's cool, and then eventually got out of it. I actually stopped collecting for about a year and a half. Okay. So I have a gap of stuff I don't have. I, I've thought about it a few times over the years. It's it's just something fun to pass the time is all I see it as. Like, I don't get crazy into it, but I'm just like, hey, this is fun, like, just to 
you know, get a few credits and buy some cards and yeah. take a look at them every once in a while. And again, like I said, you do learn some things. And, and you know what? Like looking at the the one that you're showing me now, which is a really cool scene with like Darth Vader and he's he's got um, a Star Destroyer nearby him. Like I appreciate that artwork. Like somebody yeah. put a lot of love into creating what is a very cool Star Wars scene and um, to, you know, have that uh, on your phone that you can you can reference and, and dissect because there's a lot going on in these different art. Right. scenes like that's really cool or yeah and then there's ones like this one like my favorites are the art ones it's very like you yeah, just said it's very it's creative stuff it, and and that was always one of the things with like uh like i loved loved baseball cards because i i i was a geek about the stats and i read the back of them and but there's a limitation to what you can do on the front of a baseball card is it like right. all right are they going to swing the bat <laughs> or are they going to bunt I always wonder if, <laughs> if as they were like, oh, was that a home run swing or was that a strikeout? <laughs> right. That could be them striking out. That could be them in batting practice. Like yeah. there's only so much you can do. Like every once in a while, like they, and, and then there's like the pose with the bat over the shoulder, like smiling by the dugout. That's about yeah. it. Yeah. But, and it's tough in modern day collection, like with hockey cards too. Like they, they've just gotten to the point where they're mass produced so much. There's so many out there. Like the people, the ones that, there's two groups. There's the ones that want the vintage ones that only want like the old, really rare kind that are worth a lot of money. Uh, and then there's the, I like the the stuff about the new stuff that's really cool is that they'll have like hockey sticks or memorabilia or they'll be thicker or like there's something cool about them that you want. Or like a piece of the jersey. Yeah, that's, like, what, like, that's what I mean by memorabilia. So cool. Right? Um, so there's, there's those things that have made them a little bit more unique today, but otherwise they're just... They're just pictures that are all over the place. It's really, it's much easier to collect them because people are, there's more in demand, mm-hmm. right? We're back in the day that they weren't as high demand and they were more for kids, you know, uh, to kind of have, have fun with. Now there's a whole different audience attracted yeah. to it. Anyway. Cool. It's cool stuff, man. So if you're into that kind of stuff, uh, let, let me know, hit me up uh, and I'll, I'll share my name with you and we can connect. I'm not going to broadcast it over the air, but. Uh, but but you, we, you can reach out to us um, via Gmail. Uh, at the Starboros podcast at gmail.com. You can just send an email, a one word email that just says trade, and then Ben will get back to you. Yep. Um, you, can, you can find us on Twitter, uh, as we said at the beginning of the episode, at Starboros podcast. Um, and we're, we're really happy to engage with you guys in, in either one of those places. Yeah. Um, hey, if you enjoyed today's podcast or any of the other ones, uh, please, please subscribe on uh, whatever platform it is you're using. If it's Apple Podcast, um, as I always say, smash that subscribe button. Uh, if you really like it, leave a review. We love reading that kind of stuff. We love seeing um, if people are really enjoying the show or not. And 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 engage with us. You know, let us know what you want to hear about or what you want to hear less of. Uh, you know, we're if you hated hearing about artificial intelligence today or something <laughs> instead, we talked a lot about that. But we did, gosh, yeah, that's I interesting stuff, right? And it's it's stuff that is um, it's a parallel between our worlds. Like we don't have lightsabers right. of the force. Uh, you know, depending on who you ask, there's some there's some interesting folks out there. Um, <laughs> but we do have evolving technology that you know hopefully will one day serve us the same way that Star Wars technology serves those people so um i i think there's cool parallels there totally quick thank you to the yevon four guys again for the music that they provide for each episode uh check them out they've they're really fun guys the yavin four on Bandcamp. i think they have two albums on Bandcamp. So yeah and then up. you can find them on spotify too yeah that's right, right yeah I, I followed them there uh and our bro axiom friends make sure to check them out thank you to them as well to help promote us and and be part of their family yeah those uh, guys are awesome they they've they've um 
they've been really fun to connect with so far. And I think you will enjoy watching their, their videos. You will enjoy following them on Twitter. So please do that. Yeah. And as always, thank you, our fans, for staying with us and listening to us and sharing us with your friends, hopefully. If you uh, keep doing that, then we'll keep this community growing and bringing good stuff to you. So thank Amen. you to everyone. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we mean that from the bottom of our hearts. We take it really seriously that anybody would spend any time with us just sort of listening to us talk about star wars it means a lot to us um we know that everybody out there is sort of busy and they have things going on in their lives so that the idea that you took like an hour out of your day or or 90 minutes or whatever to hang out with the star bros um is, is a big deal for us so thank totally. you thank you thank you anything else we got i i have a feeling that you've got something else is it me that has it this time or you i, that I has think it? you got it okay i'll take it it's a wrap <laughs> <laughs>